So um, we're, we've been in, in our vision and mission series that we, that we do every year. And um, our vision at Christ City, that's where we're headed towards. That's what we want to be as individuals and as uh, a body. We want to be a place to belong. So a place where anybody can, can find belonging if they want it. And a place for people to know God. Um, and so that's our vision. Uh, it's, it's a simple two phrases, uh, but it's something that can change our city and our world, our families, if we were to, with God's help, embody it. And then our mission at Christ City Church has four parts to it. The first part is becoming followers of Jesus. So we see that as an active journey, not something that some of us have arrived at and, and have gotten it all figured out and others haven't, but something that we're doing throughout our lives. And so we're becoming followers of Jesus who do three things. We recover our lives, we reimagine our purpose, and we refresh our world. Last week, we talked about the recovery of life that Jesus offers, that when life beats us down with expectations and with really difficult circumstances, that Jesus offers as a teacher and as our Messiah uh, a place of rest and comfort, gives us permission to find rest in a chaotic world, in a world that seems to just demand more of us than could ever make sense. And so this morning, we're, we're looking at the second part of the mission, the, the, the way we get to where we're going, which is the vision, um, and, and that is to reimagine our purpose. So if you are spending a restful time uh, with God, with Jesus, you'll start to re-examine and re-look at your life. You'll start to look at the things that you prioritize and where your worth and your value comes from. And that can lead to, in your imagination, thinking about maybe my purpose is something different than I thought it was. Maybe my purpose isn't about the expectations that this world and culture have put on me, maybe to accumulate lots of stuff and status, but instead my purpose and my value can be found elsewhere in this kingdom of heaven life that Jesus teaches us about and lives in and that his life and death and resurrection show us. So that's what we're, we're going to be looking at this morning is what does it mean at Christ City to reimagine our purpose? And uh, so as I was thinking about this, I was, I was thinking about times in my life where um, I knew that something was going to happen and I still didn't do anything about it and I didn't figure out what I was going to say as an excuse ahead of time at all. Anybody ever been there? Like, you ever been a kid and your parents told you to clean up your room and they told you over and over and they said, that room better be cleaned up by 12 p.m. on Saturday. And you just didn't do anything and you didn't even think of a good excuse. I remember that, that very specifically. It's funny, out of all the things I've asked people to identify with and raise hands, this was the most I've ever seen. Even when there were, this was a full group of people in here of like 100 people. It's <laughs> like, just... We, we do that, don't we, as human beings? We just are like, yeah, 
I know that's coming and I didn't prepare at all. I, don't, I didn't even prepare an excuse. That's gonna happen to some of us in just a few days or maybe even tomorrow when it's cold outside and we don't bring a jacket. We're gonna be like, I know it's gonna be cold outside. I know I need a jacket and I don't have one and I'm shivering. And maybe if you're a girl, you can work some leverage and get somebody else's jacket, right? But you're not gonna think about it ahead of time. And uh, so life is about changes. Life is about, we know that change is gonna happen if, if we don't know anything else. That that's the only constant in life is that things will change. And we can respond to that change in different ways. We can look and say, yeah, I see that change coming and I'm just not gonna do anything about it. I'm gonna be shocked when it gets here. Or we can prepare, or we can even fight against change, right? We can, we can try to convince ourselves that change isn't happening, it isn't occurring. That's kind of what like the first six months of the pandemic in the United States was. It's like, oh, we're still gonna be just as productive. We'll just transfer everything into the virtual world and we'll just figure out all these things and it's gonna be great and everything will just continue on, right? All the pessimists were like, no way, that's not gonna work from the beginning. But some of us optimists were thinking like, no, we'll figure this out, it'll be good. And now, you know, we're a year and a half in and, and we obviously know that's, that's not working out. Here's the thing, the, the Christian life can be one of exciting and challenging and painful dynamic change. And, and the reason why um, I, I even have to say that out loud is because oftentimes in families, family units, and in uh, extensions of a family unit like a church body or church organization, the the status quo becomes incredibly important to keep. Like keeping things from changing, keeping people in their roles becomes kind of the goal because it's so scary to imagine what it would look like if somebody did something different. And by the nature of an institution, we sometimes begin to value just things being steady over necessary change and growth. And it's just like what Amanda was referencing earlier, like we're in fall right now. It's an annual reminder that things always will change. The weather will change, the environment will change, and that we can actually create an environment that supports that change as Christians in a way that allows us to reimagine our purpose. And that's what we wanna do at Christ City. That's what we wanna continue to do and build on there. So. Here's how it happens sometimes. Sometimes we will just do the same thing over and over until we get so exhausted that we say, okay, I'm tired of doing it this way. I ran into this brick wall. So now I'm gonna promise myself I'm gonna do something different, right? That's one way we get to change. An another way we get to change is that we maybe will try different things, but our thinking processes about doing those different things are the same. So while we're trying to do different external things, different jobs or things like that, the way that we treat ourselves, the way we think about ourselves and other people stays the same. And at some point we get fed up, we get exhausted, and we inevitably ask ourselves, isn't there more to life than this? Like what's, what's the purpose here, right? So um, here's the difference between that, 
just getting exhausted with your normal way of, of doing things or doing a lot of different things with the same thinking and then saying, okay, now I'm just gonna try something different. Here's the difference between that and what we mean about reimagining our purpose at Christ City. It's not just changing a career. It's not like reinventing yourself, you know, where you're like, okay, I did this in high school, but in college, I'm gonna be this kind of person or this kind of thing, or in my career or my marriage, I'm gonna like just reinvent myself. It's not those things really. Um, this passage that we're about to jump into here, Jesus is sharing something he shares throughout the different gospels. He shares these metaphors and these analogies to help picture something, to fill our imagination with a different way of living, not by changing the externals around us, but by changing the way we think about the world through the kingdom of heaven, through this idea of, of God being present and active, his kingdom being at work in the world in the right here and now. This is often uh, uh, summarized in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, where, where Jesus takes things that typically the world would say is not, a, not purposeful, not valuable, and he brings purpose and blessing to those things. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek that they'll inherit the earth. These things that sound incredibly paradoxical. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? So when we talk about at Christ City reimagining our purpose, it comes from the viewpoint that Christ gave us about this world that we have, the reality right in front of us, also the future and what the future will look like, but also the right here and now, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven in our midst. And furthermore, he says, by his very presence, by his death on the cross, his resurrection, he says, you can live in this reality fully valued and reconciled to God. That that doesn't have to be the question you're eternally asking. My presence, my death, my resurrection starts you off right away with the, uh, with the understanding that you are valued and loved unconditionally by God. And it's from that position that we can work out a purpose in the world that can be reimagined from all the other signals, all the other information that's given to us by our culture. So this is very counter-cultural to say, blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are those who mourn. This is, a, this is an attack on the status quo of the way our world grinds people up and spits them out if they don't fit into this value system. See, Jesus will never get along with the powers and the authorities of the day. His message is always counter to a value system that values people based on what they produce. And so we have here hope in a Messiah that gives us right out of the gate, lets us know how valuable we are, and then says, look, you can explore 
a divine purpose right here in the midst of suffering, in the midst of a struggling marriage or single life or career or unemployment or whatever it is that you're dealing with, that God in the kingdom of present, uh, the kingdom of heaven is present with you. So while the world says, hey, you're valued by the status that you can come up with, the, the material possessions, that's a huge one in our culture, how much material wealth you can accumulate around yourself, the amount of comfort that you can get around yourself materially, the amount of, uh, of prolonging you can do of your youthful appearance or just your physical material life. That's, that's what our culture tells us. That's what our purpose is. That's where our value comes from. And so we don't serve that culture or a God who ascribes to that culture. If, if, if the God of your imagination is in line with that idea of consumerism, you're, you don't have a God that's free to actually be God. So if we serve a God that is liberated from this culture and liberating, offering us freedom, then that God that I believe is God can help us to reimagine a new purpose. So instead of just becoming exhausted and having a knee-jerk reaction, well, now I'm gonna change this and change that. I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna move there and do that. Maybe that will, that will fix my lack of purpose. Let's look at how Jesus tackles this problem in this text here. Um, so as we get to this text, Jesus is engaged in a discussion about traditions and rituals like the way that we go about our lives. And in this passage, the, the way, and it helps us to make sense and meaning of our lives, our rituals and traditions, religious or non-religious. And uh, what's happened in this text is those rituals and traditions, instead of becoming a way to help facilitate purpose and meaning, they have become the purpose and the meaning, similar to materialism. It's like, we want some stuff to help us feel comfortable in life and help us kind of like feel more valuable or important. But somewhere along the way, like the stuff actually just becomes the thing, like the purpose, right? And so Jesus is, so an example religiously is like, well, why do you pray? Well, because it's right to pray, right? So it's like, it's like the, the, the thing that we do to help us find purpose becomes the meaning in and of itself. So the tradition seeks to just help us live out purpose and it becomes the purpose. When that happens, our imaginations and our culture becomes inflexible. And so our imagination diminishes and becomes small. And so Jesus he is enlarging his listener's imagination. So let's look at this text and allow our imagination to be enlarged. In verse 14, it says this, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? In verse 15, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. 
And sometimes I love how Jesus doesn't answer things directly. And sometimes I'm like, come on, man, just one time, just one time, just like say it plain, man, the bridegrooms and all this kind of stuff. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's like, oh, I see why you're asking that. And here's my answer. Things changed. Like things changed because guess what? I, I'm the guy who you are fasting for to be closer to, to try to discipline yourself in order to be aware of my presence. I'm actually right here. Like I'm that guy. So, so the circumstances that you have been living in, that you were, the idea was to fast for change. Well, now the change is here. So you don't have to fast right now, right? I'm the guy. Uh, In the Old Testament, God referred to his people as the bride and himself as the bridegroom. So Jesus, in one of the many, many ways he creatively says, I'm God, this is one of the ways that he does that. He loves to do it in all of those different really Jewish ways. So he's, he's like, yeah, I'm the guy, so things have changed, right? And here's the thing when we're struggling with purpose, when our imagination becomes inflexible, when the tradition, instead of helping us to move closer to the change, it stagnates us, we can end up struggling to celebrate, to celebrate. Like that's, what's, that's what the struggle here is with the disciples of John and the Pharisees. They've lost the art of celebration. They, they, they have they have come to the conclusion that life doesn't change, that you're just stuck in this one mode, this one feeling, this one sort of drudgery of life. And Jesus is like, no, it changed. I'm here so we can party, we can celebrate, we can have fun. But he also says, hey, you know what? I'm also not gonna be here forever. And then they're gonna fast again. There's like seasons for things here. So one way that we can become aware if our ability to reimagine our purpose, to have a large, flexible imagination, if that has stopped or stagnated, we can check in with ourselves. Are we able to celebrate things right now? Are we able to grieve things deeply? I've, I've had points in my life where I've struggled deeply to grieve and to celebrate. I found they go together. Like if you struggle with one, you usually struggle with the other. So about 10 years ago, um, I got a, a, a phone call, it was a text, and um, it was from some really close friends of ours. And they, got a me- they, they went to the doctor, they were pregnant with their second daughter, and um, they got a, a ultrasound and the baby had a terminal developmental issue uh, called anencephaly, I think is how you say it, um, which meant that the, the child would not survive, was, was, uh, the brain was not going to develop except for just this little part here and there. And so the child would essentially be born brain dead, but still probably breathing and alive. And I remember trying to, like, felt like I was trying to escape my body because I just didn't know how to deal with that. 
and how I was gonna support my friends. It was an incredible, like when I look back at that moment, I think, wow, at that point in my life, I was not prepared for the changes that would come in life. That child ended up living for several days with, ha- with less than half of its head and, and brain. And I, I, I actually baptized that child in the hospital. And when I was sitting for those several days, I was with my, with my friends, with the family, I was in anguish the entire time internally because I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to grieve. It was so anxiety inducing within me. And it was in, in many ways paralyzing. And I share that story with you to, to say there are, there are moments that will come in which grieving is so incredibly necessary, but there are also moments of deep celebration. There are moments and times when God will feel near and close and times when you won't even believe that God exists because God feels so distant from you. And all of these things are essential to make space for, room for, to be able to reimagine our purpose in this world. Next week, we'll be talking about a refreshing presence in the world. And somebody who who can sit in the tension of grief and celebration in being able to reimagine their purpose in light of what the world throws at them will be a refreshing presence in the world. So what am I saying here? I'm saying life calls for different approaches, depending on the situation. And a religion that asks the same things of us and the same thinking from us, no matter what we are going through, cannot be responsive to the intricacies of a real, robust, changing life. So the Pharisees' rules, unfortunately, sadly, in this situation, were so precious to them, they couldn't see what God was doing right there in front of them. Jesus, not one to shy away from lots and lots of metaphors, doubles down and gives us two more. In verses 16, uh, he says this, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins, If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So in both of these pictures that Jesus is painting, he's showing us things where trying to impose an old system, way of thinking, paradigm onto new things doesn't work or vice versa, something uh, new onto something old. So with the clothes patch, got a brand new piece of unshrunken cloth and you try to patch an old thing with it, uh, it's gonna tear the whole thing apart. And so the second one's a little harder uh, for us in our context, but it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, So wine skins in ancient times were made out of animal skin. And so when the animal was slaughtered and they'd take the, like the main kind of, I think including like the, like the bladder area and stuff like that, and they'd seal off one end, and the other end, they'd clean it and tan it really well, and then they'd pour the wine in. 
And it, so a new wine skin, the skin of the animal would still be flexible and new wine is still fermenting. So that means it's, there's gas coming off in it, like it's expanding like a balloon. So if you have a new skin and you have new wine, those things can kind of ebb and flow and flex together. But if you have an old skin for carrying wine, it becomes brittle. So it gets really hard. And if you were to pour the new wine into it, that's fermenting and the gases are changing and things are moving around inside, boom, it busts. So Jesus is saying that right here. He's trying to help his disciples, John's disciples, the Pharisees, anyone who would listen to understand this, that change is going to happen. And so we can either create a flexible container for the change to happen in, or we can double down and, and uh, be, become brittle and inflexible. And so when the new comes in, we can't hold it. This happens again in our families, in our churches, in companies and corporations, where Staying the same, keeping things the same becomes more important than the actual new things happening with the people and the environment within that organization, within that family. And eventually it bursts. It cannot be maintained. So just like me, 14 years old, when my mom comes into the room, I didn't clean my room and I don't have any excuse and I didn't plan for it at all. So much of our families, our churches, our, our uh, places of business, our government is in the same place. I knew it was coming, still didn't plan for it, didn't make any changes. So at Christ City, we want to be a place where we can reimagine things. I want to talk about that imagination for a second. Do you, have you ever heard anybody talk about Jesus as being somebody who was like the most imaginative person ever? Like that Jesus was like, you know, that SpongeBob thing, like imagination, like, like, like every time somebody asks Jesus a question, like, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he's like, a camel can't go through the eye of a needle or like this, you know, this guy over here, he's walking on a street somewhere and this other guy passes or I'm gonna spit in your eyes and make mud and that's how you're gonna see. It's like imagination, right? But it's, it's so incredibly important if we want to live a life of dynamic change in our church, in our city, to have a flexible and large imagination. And I think it's exemplified in this prayer that we pray all the time. We pray it every Sunday morning in our pre-service meeting. The, the prayer that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, they prayed. And it, he says in it, you know, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer of imagination right there. The idea that what heaven is like, what the realm of God with unbridled possibility and creation is like, that that could be present and active in the world. You notice he doesn't say like way down in the by and by in the future in that prayer that we pray all the time. Let it be. Let, let the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount dwell in this space, in this place right now. 
That's the kind of imagination that we need. That's the kind of imagination that can give your purpose new life in the world. When you feel stagnated, when you feel like things aren't moving forward the way that you want them to, instead of trying to rearrange reality, we need to be able to see reality with the imagination of God because it's there that we find the new possibilities. It's there that we find the purpose that doesn't uh, fade after the, new, the shine of the new job wears off or the new marriage wears off or the new uh, dating relationship or the new salary increase. Those things, they wear off. The shine wears off. In, in the same uh, passage uh, or the same story in Luke, Luke records this other line at the end. Uh, I think it's on the screen too. It's uh, from Luke 5.39. It's got Jesus saying this too, after the end. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. So here's what we can know. We know as human beings, we don't like to prepare for changes that we don't want to come. So we're gonna stick with the old wine. So we have to move counterculturally and uh, counter to um, our uh, less creative parts with God's help to engage with the change, to create that environment, right? So a couple of short things to leave us with as, as I start to close up here. I just want to talk about, uh, so we don't get it confused, this is not talking about escapism. I think I've been making that point good. But it's not about just escape, trying to escape the life that you have, reimagining your purpose, right? It's not about, well, it's not working here, so I'll go somewhere else. That could be a result that happens, but it's not the thing itself, okay? So there are some things that are predictable and unpredictable when we allow a space for people to reimagine their purpose. Here's what's predictable. We know that as people grow, they go through different stages of life. Some stages, identity is really important and how we define ourselves is really important. But there are other stages than that. And we know that people will change what their role is in life, what they want to contribute to the world is different. What kind of relationships are important to them change over time. So that's predictable. It's predictable teenagers. They'll rebel against their parents or fall asleep during one of my sermons. Those are predictable things, right? Um, are adults raising their children somewhat differently than their parents raise them? Predictable changes. Moving away from home, and then after you having kids, moving back closer to home. Predictable changes. What's unpredictable about reimagining our purpose at different stages in life is that the people around you, the organizations you work for or volunteer in, or that is your church, those things will change and they might conflict with your goals and desires in life. You hear me? So things that you want, desires that you have, purposes you would like to play out in a certain way, when you allow the people and institutions around you to reimagine their purpose, they will inevitably change in ways you don't want them to. And they'll still be good, right? That's why we don't want it. That's why like, man, give me that old wine. 
Give me that old, I'm gonna burst all these animal skins. Just give me the old wine, right? Just a little bit, just as the rest of it's leaking out, I'll just get a little bit of that wine, right? We see this all throughout scripture, this unpredictableness of Abraham moving out into the wilderness of, of Jacob wrestling with the angel and, and getting a new name and a new destiny of the, the Hebrew slaves becoming freed God's people. Like one of the first ever ideas of, of slave revolts we see in history, they're into a God that's free from uh, some kind of marriage of government political power. Here's what's predictable about Jesus, that he was a Messiah, and so the Messiah would save us. Here's what was unpredictable, that he would do it through his own death and not the death of his people's enemies. Very unpredictable, right? So in Christianity, the pattern is set, and the pattern is change, it can be really scary when we don't know how to celebrate and grieve. That's why in our eight practices study, we'll be talking about seeking health because that helps us re-engage our emotions, re-engage our feelings, get us more flexible in those ways. But the pattern is set. We need larger imaginations, not smaller ones. Whoever told you being a part of a Christian church means your imagination has to be smaller and more restricted, well, they should read this parable again or any of Jesus's nuts, crazy parables, right? Got to have a big imagination for this stuff. Um, and so that's what I want us to do. That's what I want us to continue to do at Christ City is continue to reimagine our purpose in this world and to do it through the scriptures, through the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so then we can take that uh, as we come to the communion table this morning. We can take our desires for new things, for bigger imaginations there as we meet God in that table. So pray with me. Lord, thank you for um, another opportunity to worship in your house, the house of God, with the people of God. Would you strengthen and embolden our imaginations to see what you're up to, what you're doing, what's new in this world. In your name we pray. Amen.